Good day, everyone. Uh, welcome to another beautiful day where we discuss and dig deep into the word of the Lord Almighty. Uh, today on this podcast, we shall be continuing the discussion on the Dangerous Prayer series. Uh, we are currently on part five, and our focus today will be send me, send me. Uh, we ask that God will help us as we study this together. Shall pray. Our most high God in heaven, we thank you, we glorify and we praise you for today, for another privilege to discuss in your word. We ask that you minister to us, you open revelations unto your word unto us. In Jesus' mighty and wonderful name, we have prayed. So I'm welcoming you once again to another interesting uh, discussion on the Dangerous Prayer series, as I said earlier. And today's title will be called Send Me. Uh, this title actually basically focuses on the fact that many at times when we do pray, most of the prayers are always prayers that actually deal with ourselves. God, could you do these particular things for me? Will you bless me? Will you do this? Will you make me a blessing to others? But the question now focuses is, do we actually pray prayers that actually involves us partaking or taking active roles in the in the way in the work of God? Have you ever prayed prayers of telling God, God, uh, I want you to bless these people and I want you to send me. I want you to use me as a form of blessing to others. I've, I want you to I want to play an active role in making sure that your word gets to people. Uh, and it means a lot basically because it's one prayer that most times we don't pray because we know it involves a lot of dedication and uh, to the word of God. Um, many at times because of the fact that many of us believe that okay, God is omnipotent, almighty, has everything covered. So why does God need me to do his work? He does not really need me. But the truth is, my brother, my sister, uh, God actually needs us to actually play active roles in helping what in doing his work that does not mean that if we don't surrender he won't do his work definitely he's going to do his work but it's going to be very important or very very nice or it's just going to be very wonderful to just imagine your father is doing something every father is doing something and he cares so much to involve you in the just imagine so much joy you have after you have achieved that or you take part in the prayer of someone else's answered prayer so basically, the prayer of God sent me, it's a prayer of more of availability. It's a prayer of God telling God that God, I'm available, I'm open for your use, I'm open for you to open new revelations, I'm open for you to use me, I'm open for you to take, I'm open to take parts in, in, in what, I'm being an answer to another person's prayer, and I'm open that you use me. That's basically what the prayer of send me is all about. And this prayer, once, once you begin to pray these prayers, the advantage of it is that it changes your pattern. The way you see God, it changes your work pattern with God. It brings you to another level of closeness with God. Because God sees you as a vessel to honor, vessel to use at any point in time. So basically, uh, we are going to break this discussion into various parts, into various parts, so that we can be able to deal with it uh, very well. The first part will be, uh, what are the category of responses that we give to God's call? Many of times, God has called us as individuals to actually do his work or to take part in the answer the process of another person or take part in his work basically but there are various responses we give them what are the, those responses what are the category of responses that we most times give god second part is how do i truly surrender to god's call is there actually a particular way i can surrender to god how do i truly surrender okay so now one thing we, we must put in our mind while we go through this thing is have god ever put something in your mind at any point in time really the thing in your heart that you should do this and you didn't do it was there any reason why you didn't do that do you think that you are not qualified enough or you just didn't have the courage to do that? Okay, we are going to deal with all these things along the line as we focus on this topic. So basically, let's go to the first part. What are the categories of responses that we actually give to God's call? 
uh, first of all, we are going to open our Bible, uh, the will of God to us, basically, which is the Bible, uh, to Jonah 1, verses 1 to 3. And it says, it says there, it says, The word of God came to Jonah, the son of Amatia, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for thy wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he went to Joppa, found a ship which was going to Tarshish, paid the fare, and went down into to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of God. Hmm. Definitely, this is a very, very conserv- a conversant Bible story. We all basically know where Jonah ran away from the presence of God. Now, this category of people, they have this particular response. And what is their response? God, here am I, but I'm not ready. To, I'm not going. They are not ready to do the will of God. God. That's exactly what Jonah did here. God called him. He heard the word of the Lord. He didn't even do it without knowing. He heard actually what God saying. God called him and told him, Arise, go to Nineveh. Because the wickedness of those people, the sin of those people, the atrocities of those people has gotten before him. But what did Jonah do? Jonah what he fled from the presence of the God, of God Almighty. He fled from the presence of God, basically. So he, 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 basic summary of his answer was, Yeah, I am. I'm not going. So the question is, how many times have we flee from the presence of God? God tells us to do a particular thing, but we flee from his presence. I'll give you I'll give you a, a live uh, experience of basically one thing I actually did face at a particular point in this which is almost similar to this along the line as we continue in this podcast. But the question lies is how many times have God called us and we have said we have turned him down, we have said we are not going. Maybe because of the fact that uh we are we are we think we don't have enough courage to do his week or think we are not qualified enough. I remember those times when I was small, when my mom uh me and my mom went to public transport and my mom preaches in the bus and tells people about the word of God. I'm like, wow, so much courage. And I remember a particular time during my SSDs, one day I was particularly in the bus and I had it vividly to go actually go and preach the word of God. But I kept telling myself, and hey, God, there's no Bible verse to say now. God, eh, I didn't carry my Bible now. God, eh, I don't know, I don't know what to say. God, I don't know whether these people tell me to shut up. And I kept giving excuses to I got to the bus stop where I was going to do and I alighted from the bus. And I didn't say a word. And I know definitely God will have wanted me to ever say the word. Maybe just maybe the amen or the, the good morning was going to chase somebody or, or bring someone to, to an happy mood with God that day. God, I'm so sorry about that. But the most important thing is. The question lies in, I mean, when God calls us, are we willing to do his work? Are we going to respond like Jonah and say, yeah, I am. I'm not going. Are you going to do the same thing? So please, if you have this kind of response, these are things we have to work on as individuals. The second type of response to God's call is, yeah, I am. I send somebody else. Now, this one is to tell you, God, yeah, I am. But this one, they don't say they are not going. But they say send somebody else. They don't think they are qualified enough. Let's open to Exodus 4, verse 10 to 13. It's a very common verse. It's, it's uh, something about Moses. When the Lord spoke to Moses, he said, Then God, then Moses said to the Lord, Please, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither recently nor in the time past, nor since, nor since. You have spoken to your servant, for I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Now, Moses is a very, very funny person here. He basically gave an excuse. He said, see, God, see, as you see me, you know I'm not eloquent. Um, see, I don't know how to talk well. You too, you know. I'm not eloquent at all. So definitely, this work does not fit me. So more or less, and one thing we must understand as individuals is that our yardstick of qualification is not the same yardstick of qualification of God Almighty. God qualifies who he seems or deems fit to qualify. 
It's not based on what we think or based on our own natural thinking. Okay, the person must have a BSc. If God wants to talk with someone, with someone, maybe the president, uh, the person must have a BSc. The person must be doing well, must be driving a Porsche, or he must be driving. No, it's a different. God can use a high school person, just someone in, even in kindergarten, to pass a message across. If he wants to pass a message across to someone, so the question is. Are you willing or are you going to answer the same way and say, yeah, I am sending somebody else? Because Moses here, he didn't deem himself fit for God's call. And he thought he was underqualified to go do God's work. But we must understand that God is willing to use anybody that is available to use his words to fulfill his will. And the qualification, as I said earlier, doesn't really matter. As far as you are available for God's use, God is going to use you. Those are the things we need to understand there. Because the truth is, we must, as Christians in this race that we have, we must try and make sure that we are available for the words to the yielding of God's call. Because people play active roles. Other people have also played active roles in making sure our prayers are answered. So why don't we take a bold step and also play active roles and say, God, I'm available, send me. I'm available, use me. Don't say, God, I'm preoccupied, send somebody else. Don't say, God, uh, I'm scared I will lose everything if I go and do your work. So send somebody else. No. The truth is, what do we have that God hasn't given unto us? And what do you want to have that God is not willing to give more to us? So we must be able to tell ourselves, God, here I am, send me. So now, what is the last category of response we are going to be looking at? First of all, we have looked at, here I am, I'm not going. Here I am, send somebody else. Now, the last category we are going to be looking at, which is the category that God wants us to imbibe, is, here I am, send me. That's exactly what God wants us to respond. So when we hear the work of God and God is calling us, and he's saying, go and do this. The perfect response is, God, you I am, send me. And who did that in the Bible? Isaiah 6, verse 8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And who shall, will we go for us? Then I said, yeah, I am, send me. Wow, this is very, very beautiful. Now, Isaiah was called by God to go and do the work. And Isaiah answered, ultimately, he said, God, yeah, I might send me. Now, the question we ask ourselves is, Ha, Isaiah must have been on that level with God for him to have said this. Maybe because he was a prophet, that's why he has said it. No, you don't necessarily have to be a prophet. You don't necessarily have to be a man of God for you to do You must come to a particular level of understanding for you to be able to give this kind of responses. Without giving excuses of that you are being busy or you are scared of losing all or you are even confused. You see, am I sure that it's God that is calling? You know that's what happens most times when we know it's God that is calling us. But because of we don't want to do it, am I even sure that it's God? Or maybe it's not my inner instinct that is just telling me to do it. Why should I just say, God, yeah, I'm sending. But for us to be able to give these responses to God, there are some things that we need to look at. Now, if you look at the preceding verses before, in that Isaiah 6, before we go to verse 8, where Isaiah said, God, yeah, I'm sending. In verse 1 to 7, look at it, you, must, you come to realize that there are some points that are very vital for, be, for us as Christians to be able to achieve that kind of response that Isaiah gave. Number one, for you to totally surrender to God's call, you must have a genuine experience of His presence. Now, in verse 1, he said, In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, lofty and exalted, in the train of his robe, filling the temple. Now, Isaiah saw the Lord. He had an encounter with the Lord. He had an experience with the Lord. That changed his mindset. That changed his view. That changed his view. 
that gave him a, a different opinion, a different insight. So we as Christians, it's one thing we need to pray for. God, I want to have an encounter with you. Yes, God, I believe that you exist. God, I believe I'm your child. God, I believe I'm your son. I want to have an encounter with you. I want to have a genuine encounter to you. I want to feel your presence. I want to feel you telling me that I, I want to feel you in this one, what I'm doing, what I'm about to come and do. I want you to come and embark me. So that's the thing. Once you have a genuine encounter with God, you come to a level of trust. You come to a level of knowing that, yes, I'm willing to surrender to God because if God has shown me this before, He will never back down on me when I start this. It gives you a form of what? Deep submission. It states where you trust God and you are willing to give Him all. That's one thing when you have the experience of God. That's one beautiful thing. Maybe when you feel the presence of God, and that thing is, it helps you to what? To draw near to God more than ever. Because you begin to study His Word more, you begin to have more fellowship deep. You begin to see Him from different perspectives that people have not seen Him before. You begin to understand what it means to be a Christian. You need, you need to understand what it means to surrender all. And that's a beautiful thing. So first of all, we have said, for you to surrender to God, you must have a genuine experience with God, just like Isaiah did in verse 1. Point 2, for you to totally surrender to God, you must be aware of your sinful states. Now, you must understand that, number one, I'm a sinner. Everything I have is not merited by my intelligence, by my smartness, or because I came from a rich family, but because of God's grace. Now, in Isaiah 6, verse 5, he said something. He said, Then I said, Woe to me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips. Isaiah identified I was a man of unclean lips. And he said, So what I said, And I live among people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. He saw it as a mere privilege that God, ah, I've seen your presence. This is a mere privilege. Oh my Lord, I'm meant to die. I'm, I'm, I don't even deserve this presence. Just imagine those those days when they saw in the Old Testament when they saw the presence of God. It was just secluded for some particular set of people, the priests, not just anybody, not just anybody sees the presence of God. But he saw and he experienced the presence of God, and he saw it. Like, ah, God, I don't deserve what I'm seeing here. I don't have clean lips. The people I mingle around, they are also sinners. God, why why so much grace given unto me? That's another thing we must come to understand as persons. We must come to understand that what we are sinners. We must understand that we have sinful states. And the reason why we are clean or the reason why we are able to enter into the presence of God is by the grace of God. And that's what's going to help us as individuals. Because the Bible even mentions on it said what? In Jeremiah 17 verse, it said the heart of man is desperately wicked. So that means we are born with wickedness. That means if a man was born and it was not Jesus Christ, he can't he doesn't think of good. All he thinks is wickedness. The heart of man is what is desperately weakness. So basically, without Christ, we are wicked people. That's just important. That's what, what that series telling us. Basically, without Christ, we are wicked people. And the role of God in our life is why we can make good decisions. And he helps us to work our lives to have a meaning. So if you come to an understanding that, see, without Christ, I'm a wicked person. Without Christ, I'm a sinner. Without Christ, I'm worthless. But because of him, You'll be able to understand the reason why you need to answer and say, God, here I am, send me. <coughs> Sorry, the final point here uh, will be, we must have genuine understanding of his grace. Now, we must understand, I've already said part of this for my second point. We must genuinely understand his grace. Now, in Isaiah 6, 6 to 7, before the 8th verse, where, as I said, God, here I am, send me, he said, Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which I had taken from the altar with tongues. He touched my mouth and with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sins are forgiven. Now, Isaiah was 
was given a grace here, whereby sin was being wiped off. Now, Isaiah realized three things here. Number one, he realized that he had witnessed the presence of God, which he didn't merit. Number two, he had realized that he was an unclean man, he mingled with unclean people, so he was not even worthy to be selected. Number three, he realized that God even, because of he God sent the angel, what, God sent an angel to, what, to clear away his sins, that God's grace was able to wash away his iniquities that made him unclean and made him clean back. So by the time you realize all those three, you just thought of it. Ah, this God is not sending me a message. Who am I not to say so? So he was able to give, he was able to surrender water and say, God, where I am, send me. And those are the things we must look at. Number one, have you experienced the presence of the Lord Almighty? Let us pray for the, because God should exhort you. Show us his presence. I will not just make Christians. We joke, okay, my father goes to church. My father is a Christian. I've given my life because I'm just a Christian. Is there something deeper about the Christianity or about God that you serve? Have you experienced his presence more than ever before? Because witnessing the presence of God, trust me, is a genuine experience. It's something that you that lingers on through your mind. That even when people talk to you about Christ, you're like, oh my Lord. When you remember that experience, it just tells you, oh my Lord, man, my God is great. No matter, do you come to an understanding that you are unclean and everything that you have is merited by his grace? Then do you understand that it is his grace that is what made you clean in dying on the cross for you? That it's just a privilege that you have to have become clean. You must need to, we must understand this thing that we didn't bring anything, but God gave everything for us to enjoy his grace. That's one thing we must understand. That we as Christians or we as individuals, we didn't bring anything to merit God's grace. But God was give everything my heart for us to enjoy His grace. Is that not a wonderful and a sweet God to serve? If we have this understanding, we must not care about the risks involved. We must not be scared about what am I going to lose? Because I'm going to lose this. If I do this, people will start calling me uh, a child of God's spirit, cocoa. We don't want to be tagged by God. Why won't I not be tagged by that kind of God? That gave everything for me when I didn't even give him anything. Why? We must understand that God that has called us won't fail us in all these things. And we must understand that we must make that decision. It's a daily decision. We must make it daily. Because the truth is this every single day, God is going to call us. We may be in our car, we may be in our offices, we may be in our school, we may be with our friends. God is going to call us to do His will. God is going to ask us when we are available, He's going to want to send us. But the question we ask ourselves, are we willing to daily and actively answer his word and say, God, here I am, send me. Because we stay in a world where you do the work of God, it looks sinned. It looks strange. It looks very strange. When you're out with your friends and one of them is saying something wrong or is saying maybe you should go and cheat or you should do something bad. And the word of God tells you, try and correct that right now. And you feel that if you say that, everybody look at you, ah, this one has started again. Oh, spirit, cocoa, hey, deeper life. Uh, this no, where you live in that kind of world where people tag you for doing the right thing, why don't you stand out and say, God, here I am, send me? Don't care about losing everything, but go out there and stand by God's God. Use the word of God to what to solve your matters every day, to reply and say, God, yeah, I'm tired of giving excuses, I'm not longer in the state of excuses, I'm ready to satisfy by doing your will, God. I'm willing to surrender all and say, God, I give you my heart.
to do all. There's a prayer that was prayed uh, in this series. I actually love the prayer very well. There's a prayer of availability. And it says, God, where I am, send me. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my mind. I give you my eyes. I give you my mouth. May I speak what you want me to say? My yes, may I hear your word, the truth, and have the ability to be willing to obey it. My hands, may I help you the kingdom when needed. My feet may lead me to wherever you want me to go. These are very, very important and vital things that God wants us to say, that God wants us to do. Now, some of the questions here that was raised in this discussion, definitely, because that will definitely come to our mind that was raised is, God, uh, how do I know it's the voice of God that is calling me? Now, first of all, how do you know God is speaking? For you to actually yield to the word of God. First of all, you need to identify the word of God. You need to identify the voice of God when God calls you. Now, how do you identify the voice of God? Number one, you can know that when you fellowship with him, when you study the word of God, you know his attitude, you know his character. Now, first of all, you, before all these things, you must have given your life to Christ. You, for you to hear the word of God, after you have given your life to Christ, you must have fellowship with him. Now, when you fellowship with God, the beautiful thing about it is, how do you fellowship with God? By praying, by studying the word of God. When you study the word of God, which is the will of God, you know the character of God. You know the do and don'ts of God. You know what God will ask you to do and what he will ask you to do. Now, so when you hear him clearly, the Bible tells us that God is not a God of confusion. So he's not going to tell you something contrary. God is not going to tell you, you can't just wake up when you are here. Ah, see that man. He has 500,000 in his accounts. Go and dupe him. No, that can never be the voice of God. Because... The Bible will never tell you to dupe or will never tell you to steal or convert somebody else's property to yourself. Because the Bible gives clear and implicit decisions on those things. It tells you that no, God doesn't stand for those kind of things. So you must check. So definitely, since you fellowship with God and you know his character, you'll be able to know, okay, this voice, definitely, it must come in line with the character of God. He helps you. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, 7, it says, The one who joins himself with God is one spirit. So you and God becomes one spirit when you give your life to Christ, basically. So you basically what begin to have instincts and think. When you have fellowship, you begin to have more thinking and deeper insights of the word of God. So when God speaks to you, you kind of get, get to know. Then number two, another thing we can know is you must be able to design the voice of God. Because the truth is this, you have your own natural instincts. Sometimes the situations will come to you whereby your instincts want to do some things. I begin to think... It's the voice of God without knowing it's your emotions or your instincts that is talking. So, for you to be able to be able to divide, to, to know, is it God that is speaking? Number two, it boils down the same thing I said earlier. Fellowship with God. Now, if you fellowship with God, you get to know more about Him. Now, the truth is this. If you have, if you enter into a boarding house or an hostel and it tells someone to be your roommate. Now, if the person still becomes your roommate for three years, if you haven't sleep and hear the voice, you get to know the person's voice, right? You don't confuse the person's voice with another friend's voice. Why? Because you have spent more time with the person. It's the same way. When you spend more time seeking God, you get to be able to design his voice. You get to be able to know what God will say and what God will say. You begin to know your instinct. Because the truth is this. We live in a body, in a fleshy world. We live in the flesh, whereby our body wants to do his own natural desires. And God will always... God the Spirit who always want to do his own. We always want to tell us what to do. And it's like a battle, a constant battle every day. 
But one thing that will help you to be able to make sound decisions is the number of time you have spent seeking the word of God. So you'll be able to know that, okay, yes, this cannot be anybody but God speaking to me. And also, when you pray also, God also helps you in designing. Number two is comparing. But another thing is, uh, you must compare the word of God that I have heard to his word. Now, when you hear the word of God, God is telling you this. Have you compared it to his word? Have you checked? Is it the same thing? Because the truth is this. The Bible says in Psalm 138 verse, you said, He has magnified his word according to his name. So, God will say A and will do B. No. When you get the word of God, check the word of God. Is it the same? Does it go according to the word of God? Or does it say different things? So, by the time you put these three things, number one, you fellowship with him, you have an attitude, you begin to know his character more. Number two, you begin to design his voice by seeking him more. Then number three, begin to check where the word you heard rhymes with his word. You begin to find out that this word that I heard definitely must be voice God's call. It can't be another call. It can't be your own instinct. I hope I've been able to do justice uh, to this series. Thank you very much for listening. God bless you. And have a beautiful, wonderful day.